0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico.
1: We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel.
0: Tonight's reading is from Acts chapter 20 verses 1 through 16. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came in Greece, came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days we came to them at Troas where we stayed for seven days." On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked to them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Let's pray together, Christ Church. Father in heaven, your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, our souls long to keep them. Lord, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to us, the simple. We open our mouths and hearts and minds, and we pant, Lord, because we long for your commandments. Turn to us, Lord. Be gracious to us, Lord, as is your way with those who love your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see you all today. Um, About to be a name that tune moment at Christ Church, so be ready for that. In the meantime, maybe if you're not using the liturgy on your phone, feel free to get your phones out and open up that email we sent about, I don't know, 30 minutes ago and and open up the email because in the email, the outline of my sermons in there, there's also a map in there. I'm going to have you zoom in on here in a bit since we don't have projectors. But while you do that, kids, this is your time to shine. Name that tune. See how this goes. I kind of messed it up, but yeah, we got a hand right here. Yes. No, wow, that was bad for me. That was my bad, not yours. I want some, I, no, come on, Star Wars, but I want some nerdy technicalities here. Who knows what that is called? Yell it out, kids, I know you know. Force theme, also called? Binary sunset, Jacob, uh, 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 uh. Extra, extra points if you name the composer, the only composer, yes, very good, the episode, we first heard it, yes, episode number four, goodness gracious, Jacob, I love you, when I was young, I thought Luke Skywalker wrote the book of Luke, And then later, when I grew up and became more mature, I realized he also wrote the book of Acts, which is crazy. Chris Sanchez and I were out in the foyer trying to figure out which episode of Star Wars my hair best makes me look like Luke Skywalker. And it's kind of a mix between four and seven. What do you think, Jacob? You're the expert. Yeah. No, wait, six. Is he even in six? Is Luke in six? Oh, yeah, six. Yeah, But, but the beard makes me kind of 70, 80, right? No? Okay. Well, Joanne is just like, where's my lightsaber when I need it? Uh, she's going to take me out for this. If you remember, though, when we were falling in love, I grew this out and had kind of an episode four thing going. And uh, this time, I'm afraid, I asked her to marry me right after that. I'm afraid that may end soon if I don't cut it soon. All right. Enough about Luke Skywalker. We're, we're dealing with Luke the doctor here, not Master Luke, Doctor Luke, and try to get Luke Skywalker out of your mind, if you can. (laughs) But here's the deal. Like, I I would not be the first preacher if I just dove right in and compared Luke Skywalker to Jesus. Um, But I'll resist the temptation here. Um, Because I think what we're going to see in the text here is that Luke, Dr. Luke, is actually drawing some Really special, and I think it's a spillover from last week when Kyle was preaching for us. These parallels between Jesus's ministry, Peter's ministry, and Paul's ministry. I'm just going to rattle a few of them off right now to, to get our bearings. 10,000-foot um, view, and it's all from Dr. Luke. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is preaching. The Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus himself. Then Acts 2, Peter does it. Acts 13, Paul does it. Luke 4, we see Jesus casting out unclean spirits. Acts 5, we see Peter do it. Acts 16, we see Paul do it. There's the healing of the lame in Luke 6 by Jesus, then in Acts 3 by Peter, then in Acts 14 by Paul. Then we see a healing by touch or shadow or cloth, right? Creepy stuff going on. Luke 8, Jesus does it. Acts 5 happens Peter. Acts 19 happens through Paul. And then today we'll see the raising of the dead. Luke 7 for Jesus. Acts 9 for Peter. Acts 20 for Paul. What's going on here? Something's going on. And without without giving away the whole sermon here, you need to know that Luke's not equating Jesus, Peter, and Paul. He's not putting them on the same scale. What he's, I think, doing is actually saying Jesus is doing all of this. He's continuing all of this. As Nathan helped us understand when we first started the book of Acts, these are the acts of Jesus, the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, right? And this is confirming the identity of these apostles. So here we go into Acts chapter 20. I think this is what we're going to see. And you can follow along in the outline in that email if you'd like. No shame in having your phone out. We're going to see in the first section one death-ducking departure. We're going to see in the next section, verse 5 and 6, eight diverse and deployable dudes. I can go all night like Paul does in our text. The next section, we're going to see one drop-dead dialogue. And then finally, we'll see one determined dawdle, approved by Marcy Sherman. Here we go. Death ducking departure. Acts 20 verses 1 through 3. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. Think Philippi. Philippians, right? Think Thessalonica. Thessalonians. Think Berea. Bereans. That's where he's headed, Macedonia. When he had gone through these regions and had given them much encouragement, that's what he went there for, he came to Greece. Think Corinthians. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Yeah, a little juke there. A little death-ducking departure on our hands here. So time-wise, We are in the 50s AD, okay? Nearing the end of Paul's third missionary journey. We're about 20, 25 years after Jesus died, rose again, commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. Peter did his thing for a bit early in Acts, and in Acts 13 or so, Luke turns his attention to Paul. His work among the Gentiles, that's where we're at now. Now, after, uh, after two previous journeys, and you should know as you look at the map there, Missionary Journey 2 basically reflect the same, almost the same exact journey. I think he cut across the Mediterranean to get home that time, but it, basically the same churches. His first journey was a lot shorter, a little quicker, back down to uh, Antioch. But this time he goes all the way in for the second time on his third journey. And again, Paul may be changing locations once again, but his mission is always the same. He's been to all these places before. If you want to zoom way in, I think I have my map. Oh, I forgot my map, my big one. That's okay. It's upstairs at my desk. If you zoom way in there, maybe look at Asia and then go to the top left corner of Asia. Uh, That's about where we're going to end up right there, Troas. That's where we're going to end up. So that loop he does over into Thrace and Macedonia, and then down into Corinth, he's going to come back up there. That all happened in our text, like the whole route, and it took months to do it. So um, that's what's going on here, so you can get your bearings a little bit geographically. But whereas the first trip, or sorry, the second trip through this, second trip of Paul's, first through this region, was a church planting missionary trip, this one is more of a church encouraging trip. In fact, the word encourage, or encouraging, shows up several times, in our text, verse 1, verse 2, verse 12, it literally means m- much wording. Just, Paul just much worded everybody. He just, he just went in and gave them much words, lots of words, right? And, and that's his goal. That's his mission, as it were, this time around. This, this, this word carries a sense of, of a warm encouragement, but also breaking down sometimes. Not just building up, but breaking down. If you're going to go build a new house... Whatever's in the way has got to get broken down, and whatever needs to be built then will be built up, and that's what God, or that's what God does through Paul and his much-wording ministry, right? It's no different for us 2,000 years later. Things need to be torn down in our hearts and minds. Things need to be built up by words, by these words that we have written down, right, that Paul penned and many other apostles penned. So Paul's not done living yet, not done breathing yet. So yes, he is Ducking death for now, but with the breath that he has left in his lungs, he wants to bring life. He wants to bring much words everywhere he goes. Paul talks and talks and talks about what? The weather? About the latest gladiator games? No, he's talking about Jesus. He's going city to city talking about Jesus and what he's done and what he's doing, right? He's talking about the life giving gospel of Jesus, his first coming. His life, his death, his resurrection, his transforming power, his current presence with his people—not letting anyone go without much words. We saw the Ephesian pagans wanted Paul dead. The Jewish leaders—we're going to see that more and more coming up—they want him dead. Heck, even Jesus, because no one dies without Jesus's say. Even Jesus eventually is going to want Paul come be with him forever. He's going to want him dead. But for now, for Paul, as he told the Galatians, to live is Christ to die is gain. If we had time, we'd just preach through every letter that Paul wrote in these days, in and around these days, just to see what this Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement looked like. And I would encourage you to do that. As we're getting into these times where he's writing these letters, go read the letters in your own personal devotional times, in your family worship times, with your friends. Dig into this much-wordiness of Paul. I think it'll bless you He writes things like to the church in Philippi. Joy yourself in the Lord, little church. Rejoice always. I tell you again, rejoice. Be humble, just like Jesus. He tells the church in Thessalonica, Jesus is coming back, y'all. You you should probably be working, though, faithfully. Grow in him faithfully. Don't, Don't get lazy. Don't stop working. Don't stop growing in holiness. Don't neglect holiness, right? He's got much words for these churches in this area and as i said these words aren't always warm and cuddly and encouraging he had to write to the corinthians too he didn't just write first and second corinthians he wrote four letters to the corinthians there's one of them called the harsh letter kind of kind of like pulls his collar away as he writes second uh, corinthians about what we know to be the third letter before that to the corinthians where he really had to get after them about not listening and about doubting his identity as an apostle so so paul is just encouraging and, and Keep in mind here, Paul's not just this like machine that just pumps out encouragement everywhere he goes. You just hit a button and encouragement comes out. Paul needed encouragement too. In fact, in that second or second or second Corinthians letter, he wrote, he writes this for even when we came into Macedonia, which happens in our text today, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn fighting with, without and fear within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. What did Titus bring him? And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort which he was comforted by you, Corinthians, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. Even Paul needed to be encouraged. The ultimate encourager needed encouragement. Guys, we as your ministers, it's our job to encourage you, to much word you. And we need much word from you. And we rejoice at the much word we get to share with you and the much word we receive from you, we thank God for your growth, your faithfulness, your love for Jesus, your engagement in the mission around you, and the glory of God we see going through you. Thank you, God, for Christ church. Now, just a bit of application here. Just a couple of questions I want to let mull around in your, in your, in your mind here. First of all, how long do you have left to live? Easy way to remember, for the lady, 80, my guy, minus five, about 80 years statistically for women in america it's about 75 years that's what the stats say some will go earlier some will stay around longer but i'll tell you this with all certainty death is after you death is after you and it will catch up with you you cannot outrun it forever can you say with paul to live as christ to die is gain do you choose how you live do you choose where you live based on political mood, or economic benefits only, or missiological opportunity. Sure, Paul ducked out on death this time, but he won't forever. We know that, right? We don't have to go, I'm not encouraging you to go look for trouble, go look for death to honor the Lord, but Our lives have limited amounts of time, and the clock is ticking, and two things are going to go away when you take your last breath. Your opportunity to share the gospel with unbelievers, your opportunity to encourage believers through trials and temptations. So the two things I think we are most called to as believers, to share the gospel with the lost and to build up the body, as Paul seems to be doing all the time, those are going away when you die. What, 20, 30 something more years of that? How many more years of that do you have, statistically speaking? And what are you going to do about it tomorrow? Paul was on a mission to do that at every turn. Even when he was making tents, right? Just a couple of chapters ago, a couple of years ago in our story, he was using his life to reach people for Jesus and build up those who came to him. Paul must have lived with this constant tension. You can see the tension here. Do I... Do I go back to Syria and head back for Jerusalem or do I go through Macedonia one more time and encourage them? It's a sweet tension. It's a Holy Spirit born tension. Where do I go? What do I do? Well, wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to share the gospel with people. I know that many of you struggle with this tension. In fact, a couple of you just this week came to Joe and I, and I know you've gone to others here at our church to think through where you might best serve God? Is it here at Albuquerque, at Christ Church, ongoingly, as you've already been doing, or do you need to pack up your bag? Do you need to sell your home? Do you need to break your lease? Do you need to go join a team? Do you need to go live among our partners and do the same exact work you're doing here, there, whether it be friends or family or, or, or neighbors here or the nations there? What a sweet tension to live in. And it's Okay there's a tension in one sense there's no bad choice right we test all things in the spirit we test all things by many counselors and we and we can do what we want right and sometimes God gives us that desire to go and sometimes God gives us that desire to stay and I know many of you are considering that those dynamics right some of you are on your way some of you feel tugged to the nation some may even be on your way to the nation you're already starting to make that move right But let me say this, since you're sitting here today, you're all exactly where God wants you right now. So let me encourage you to get busy encouraging others and reaching others for Christ while you're here and wherever he takes you. Praise God for you all when you have that tension because you sound like your distant spiritual cousin, Paul of Tarsus. And it's sweet to have a bunch of Paul of Tarsuses here at Christ Church, which actually leads me to the next point Eight diverse and deployable dudes. Verse 4, Sopater, I tried to like rewrite these so I could read them right. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Segundus, Gaius, of Derby, and Timothy, also, parentheses, Lystra, Derby area, think Galatians. And the Asians, think Ephesus, Tychicus, and Trophimus, both of them Ephesus, These went on ahead and were waiting for us. Uh Uh-oh, Luke is part of the us now, so he's in there too. He's the eight, actually, if you're counting with me. They they waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them in Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So if you'll remember, we talked some about the diversity of dudes back in Acts 13, back in February, when Paul's first missionary journey was just about to launch, and here we are at the end of his third missionary journey. So from a diverse church in Acts 13, Paul was sent and he has since gone out for the sake of the mission twice now to reach people and reach places for Jesus. And now on this third journey, he's coming back. He's gathered in more diversity along the way. Worshipers of God. Of course, diversity for diversity's sake is not the goal here, but it is a sweet fragrance of worship to the lord by way of the mission of christ to his people all these names and places can get a little bit confusing so i'm just going to chop it up a little bit for us keep in mind these dudes are being deployed uh, not just by paul and 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 scooped up by paul but their churches are telling go with paul so you might help deliver the offering that we've made the offering that's mentioned later in acts and in paul's letters here and there they're collecting money to help the 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 folks starving the church particularly starving in Jerusalem a famine. What a sweet offering that will be. So really quick, Gaius and Timothy. Timothy Timothy first showed up in Acts 16. Remember Paul's like, dude, half Jew, half Greek, you're coming with me. You love the word. You're well spoken of among the brothers. You're coming with me. He wanted him. A little bit of a costly uh, recruitment for Timothy, poor guy. That's circumcised right away. Um, But he scoops up Timothy. He scoops up Gaius. Uh, he shows up in Acts 19. We just saw him last week. Gets wrapped up in the mess in Ephesus, drug into the, drug into the theater and the riot associated with Paul. Uh, but no sign of him checking out here. He could have just been like, whoa, way too risky, way too close. Send me back. I don't want to be here. Um, we got Aristarchus. We got Segundus. Aristarchus. Good chance this guy is of the aristocracy, aristocracy. how do you say that? aristocracy see yeah, aristocracy aristocracy that's where you raise your eyebrows aristocracy okay so likely born noble noble family a high class society think silver spoons and the like but no silver spoons when he got drugged into the theater either right no silver spoons in acts 27 when when paul is arrested and and now is being sent off to rome on trial then, then things keep getting worse and worse and in colossians chapter four when he's given his final greetings aristarchus my buddy who's also a prisoner sends you hello right you can imagine paul and aristarchus reminiscing about the good old days when he and gaius just got drugged into theaters for two-hour chantathons right but now they're on their way likely to judgment and death at the hands of men that's where this is headed that's where this is headed you got segundus Uh, not not much known about him the word means second i mean not even worthy of a name just second maybe the second in the line of birth, maybe second in the line of slaves, maybe a former slave, we don't know for sure. But you got Aristarchus, you got Segundus, both from the same place, unified, level playing field in the kingdom of Christ and in the mission of Christ. You got Sopater, you got the, he's a Berean, likely gathered up by Paul in Acts 17. Remember it said many of them were many of them believed with not a few Greek women and of high standing as well as men, probably where he came to Christ or the person who led him to Christ came to Christ. Then finally, we got some Asians, some Ephesians, right? Tychicus, Trophimus, these guys got cool stories. Eventually, Tychicus becomes Paul's messenger when Paul's in, out, then back into prison in Rome. He's writing to the Ephesians, writing to Timothy, writing to Titus. And in all those letters, he goes, don't worry, Tychicus is going to come tell you. He's going to tell you everything that I'm not telling you here in this letter. Trophimus, poor guy, got ill on the way back to Rome and gets left in Miletus. He got sick. Oh, I missed one, right? Luke, faithful Luke. You see how he's calling it we now and us? Changes from he, them, to we, us. Luke, come alongside the mission, becoming a part of it. Last night, I was typing up my sermon, and, and against better judgment, Nico walked in the room and, uh, and, and said, check out this new boomerang I just made. And I was like, bro, I'm writing a sermon. But I, I couldn't take, go, you know, go outside and throw it, but I could see him throwing it. That was cool, from the window. Um, But before that, I did what every warm-blooded father would do when his son wants to think about something like that. I took him down a YouTube black hole uh, of of boomerangs, and it was awesome. They were hunting flying fish with boomerangs. They were hunting rabbits with boomerangs, not near as efficient as me with my Corolla, that's for sure. Um, Don't, if you're sad in your heart, the coyotes have to eat too, and they're just as cute if you think about it free meal for coyotes. I love free meals for coyotes and everybody loves bunnies until you're missing a carrot from your new garden you worked really hard on or there's a hole in your front yard right so he's up on the on the bunnies there but boomerangs are cool weren't they they were cool and and Nico's was working pretty good Nico's was working pretty good and where every black hole ends up where does every black hole end up do you know or should I say dude you know what? Dude Perfect. Jacob knows everything. You should just come preach, bro. Dude Perfect. Every black hole ends with Dude Perfect. It's like they have an algorithm that just says, up a little higher, a little higher, click here. So we did. Boomerang Madness. And I'm sure they only ever do the throws one time, right? They're that good. Is there like a Dude Perfect fail compilation? Because if there is, I need to see it. That's what I love about the Bible. Like, it doesn't skip over all the fails. But the boomerang, we thought about the boomerang, and I thought about these people. I thought about these men. I thought about how the churches are sending them out. Paul's sending them out, saying, come on back. Go out. Come on back. He's judging the winds. Like this one dude in one video, he's like, if you don't get the wind right, it's not coming back to you. So Paul is judging the winds of mission and the winds of culture and the winds of power, tossing them into the wind and saying, come on back to me. guys were boomerangs in his hands or deuterangs if you will i know it's getting too much but at least you're paying attention maybe paul should have done this and eutychus wouldn't have fell out the window now i'm no paul kyle's no paul nathan's no paul but we really thank god for so all of you all of you but we like to call out specific ones of you sometimes um, and, and, and I want to take some time now, especially since we honored some graduates earlier, to just thank God for those of you who made it through this kind of introductory Christ Church Institutional Academy thingy that we did. We read 12 books in 10 months. Not huge books, but 12 books nonetheless. We met each month for a couple of hours to talk. I think I added it up. It's about with 30 or so people reading and meeting and chopping things up. And processing things. It's about 2,000 hours of people hours. And uh, we talked about everything from the gospel and its centrality to the local church to conversion to a culture of evangelism, culture of discipleship, expositional preaching, why that's important and we must be doing it, church membership, church discipline, why we can't just glaze over those things, not to mention taking all this global through missions. So let me just rattle off some names and give glory to God for Aaron Bickett and Cedric Platero. And Shinoa Sanchez and Crystal Valdez and Dallas Ellsworth and Nate Phillips and Rachel Bickett. That was our Thursday group. Our Sunday group Allison Kane, Elise Wang, Emily Phillips, Haley Wagerman, James Nolan, Lindsay Jones, Liz Jones, Luke Sowers, Mason Vanning, Matt Jones, Zachary Mason, and then our Grupo de Espanol in Guatemala Taylor helped lead that as well as Jordan Rivera here our very own and then Edrish Copala was on there he's on a canvas Hector and Caitlin also on a canvas Jocelyn Chun, you remember? Jocelyn an Achi blooded sister who's now moved back to Achi land and was a member here Byron Chitomul, most of you don't know him he's probably my longest friend in Guatemala Jeanette Pineda we just put a canvas up for her recently Danny Cholope who works along with Jeanette I thank God for you all We're eager, as pastors and elders, to continue to invest in you all, to continue to much-word you, to continue to deploy you, to continue to be much-worded by you. We want to continue to invest in everyone at Christ Church in new ways in the coming months. Specifically, things are coming, folks. This will include more more wording and more wording all over each other on Sundays. Lord willing, we'll be doing that even here Um, on Sundays, outside of our service, especially, hopefully, this coming fall. We've got plans in the works we're talking about. Lord willing, we'd like to launch them. So I look forward to that. Speaking of the church gathered on Sundays, let me move on to this next point. Drop dead dialogue. So on the first day of the week, verse 7, the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on on the next day. He says, only there a week. He, he, this Troas and he prolonged his speech until midnight, lucky, I'm not going that long, there were many lamps in the upper room, hint, we'll get back to that, where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, side note, uh, his name means fortunate, sitting at the window, he sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked longer, and being overcome by sleep, yeah, like, he was over, like sleep is a thing to overcome. Oh, come on. He fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak. Whew. And so he departed and they took the youth away alive and were a al- Not a little comforted, that's that same word, not a little much worded, encouraged. So, it's kind of a funny story. I mean, you gotta admit, except the whole death part, it's it's a little little bit of a strange, but also funny story. I mean, who hasn't gotten tired in the middle of Nathan and Kyle's sermons? (laughs) You did some work in the garden earlier today, you played or watched a couple of soccer or baseball games in the sun earlier, you had a big lunch, you forgot about the nap that's required after that big lunch, and then you're yeah. Clint just goes on and, on and on. BAM! Just be extra careful on the balcony up there with the kiddos. This guy's a little guy. Eutychus is probably eight to fourteen years old based on the word used, a young man, this youth title given to him. And as much as we're tempted to blame Paul, as much as we're pla- tempted to blame Eutychus, Luke kind of goes out of his way to relieve both of them of, 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 of the guilt here, as if there were guilt to be given, right? Eutychus, his deep and sleepy death drop, it doesn't seem to be his own fault because Luke makes sure that we know that, one, things were going on for a really, really, really long time. It went I mean, eventually midnight and then daybreak. Goodness gracious. Let's make a deal because no excuses young people he's like young people get to sleep in church now it's awesome no if we go till midnight you can fall asleep we'll make a deal there okay we won't go till midnight you try not to fall asleep Um, so it was going on a really long time still longer says number two it was late at night we already talked about that Eutychus was a youth youngish right Luke also says there were a lot of lamps in the room. And we know that what do lamps do to a room, if there's a lot of them, makes it really warm and sucks all the oxygen out of the room. So we don't blame Eutychus for what's going on here. We can't really blame Paul either, though maybe a Star Wars reference or two could have helped Eutychus stay involved and engaged. This is probably just him. It, it, it's probably not him just straight up preaching from sunset to sunrise. It's, it's lots of conversing. The term conversing even shows up at the end of the text. Think of it like Sunday here, maybe twice, maybe your gospel community after, maybe even twice. Then you did your discipleship group, maybe even twice. That's kind of what went on here, I think. Or maybe it's Claris Conference. If you've been to Desert Springs Church for the Regional Gospel Coalition Conference, maybe it's just like that. That's a long day. And sometimes you even go away at the end of that day and you're like, you just want to talk about it. You don't talk about it till midnight, right? You get these speakers in from out of town. Well, Paul's in town. Let him speak. Let him just preach his heart out to us. And we'll talk it up. We'll chop it up. We'll take it too hard. That's probably what's going on here. Or maybe you have a friend who's come to town, right? And you have a, you have a spiritual history with these people. And you just want to sit and talk. I've done this with Mr. C before. There was a little bit of, uh, what's, that? what's that thing we follow on Instagram? cook slams we watch cook slams a little bit our, our theological conversations were interrupted by people getting wiped out by waves thank you that gets me through so many weeks brother um, but when you have a spiritual history with people you want to you could stay up all night chatting with them right this, this is probably what's happening here so I don't think Luke's trying to blame either one of them right before we get to the life-saving miracle Think about the life-saving mundane in this story. What do they come together for? Much wording and breaking of bread. Much wording and breaking of bread. These These are just common things. Look at this. They're just cups of plastic with little crumbs in it. It's nothing except it's everything. It's a symbol and a sign of everything. And they came together to do it. They came together to hear the word, to hear the gospel, and to hear it in word. Hear the gospel in word and see the gospel In symbol. And that gospel is what gives eternal life. Even the temporal life resurrection we're about to see points to this, right? We already talked about it earlier that Jesus, through his acts, through his apostles, is just confirming who they are in representing him and what they're bringing, his gospel and his word, in a new and unique way so that people will be saved forever. Eutychus' heart is going to stop again. Yeah, Paul goes and bodies him up a little bit, like Elijah, like Elisha, you know, in the footsteps of Jesus and Peter. But Eutychus is going to die again. You're going to die. We're going to die. Question is, did Eutychus live? I'm guessing he did not fall asleep again the rest of the night, nor did anyone else after that happened, right? But we need to think as believers there's eternal life-giving miracles happening every day, and it can happen here in this room. If you haven't yet responded to the gospel, if you haven't yet turned from your sin and believed in the gospel, like they were doing those who gathered in Troas to hear the word for like 12 hours, are you, is, is church just a social thing for you? Are, you? are you just coming to church or gospel community for something to do to break the monotony of work, play, work, play, uh, church, work, play, work, play, uh, church, to feel this, 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 this sense of belonging or community? Or are you here to be much worded? Are you here to be transformed? Are you here to be given new life forever? Let me challenge you. Don't fall asleep. It would be way worse than falling asleep in one sermon. It would be way worse to spiritually sleep through 20 sermons or 200 sermons or 2,000 ser- sermons for you math whizzes, that's about 38 years. You could sit through 38 years of sermons at gospel community and just fake it. Couldn't you? We could do it. Just fake it and never let the much wording land. Never let the gospel transform. Is Sunday optional for you friends? Everyone misses. I probably miss more than many of you. The season we're in it as a family. And I know it's very, very difficult due to work situations, family situations sometimes to be here. But if you're in town and you're available, are you here? And do you make decisions throughout the year and plan to be here with God's people? Breaking bread as his bride? Sitting under his word? Friends, don't coast. Don't coast. Be thoughtful. Be determined. Which brings us to our last point here. A determined dawdle. Paul's determined dawdle, Which means walk Dottle means walk. Last verses here. But going ahead to the ship, we, Luke and the boys, set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there. Come on, Paul, get on. For so he had arranged. You're the one who said to get on the ship. Why aren't you getting on? Intending to go by land. He wanted to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, so if you look at the map, you can zoom way in. Um, um, Can you see it there? There's a peninsula. He has them sail around the peninsula from Troas to Assos. He just walks the dotted line across. We don't know exactly why. So so sailing from there, they eventually picked him up there, right, in verse 14. Sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos. And the day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, which we'll get to next week, so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be to Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. This is where I want to close today. Check that map one more time. See that peninsula. See where he went across. Goes on this little stroll. We don't know why. Maybe, uh, maybe he's like, hey guys, got this ship for you. Hop on. <laughs> See you there. Uh, who knows? Paul's life is in danger. He's determined to get to Jerusalem. So maybe he's sending his guys on the boat saying, hey, look out for mutiny. Look out for anyone on this ship that might come after me. I'd really prefer not to die right now. I'd really like to get this offering that I've been collecting for the church in Jerusalem to them. Plus, I got plans, people. I got plans to go to Spain, he writes to the Romans about this time, a little bit before this happened in Acts 20. Maybe he just needed time with the Lord before what he's going to face in the next few chapters when he gets arrested in Jerusalem. But consider this connection. What happened at Pentecost last time we heard the word Pentecost? Does anybody remember? Pentecost is from Leviticus 23. And in Leviticus 23, the people of God are commanded to in the 50th, 50th day after Passover to collect the harvest, the seeds they planted weeks ago, collect the harvest of grain, sacrifice it to the Lord, bring it to Jerusalem, celebrate, eat it, yeah, feast but give the first fruits to the Lord. And remember back in Acts 1, at Pentecost, Jews from all nations had gathered to bring their grain harvest offering. What did they see above the disciples' heads? They saw flames above their heads. They heard miraculous words coming from their homelands. These are Jewish people that are out among the nations and they've come back to worship God and they hear the languages that they just came from coming out of the disciples who never could have learned those languages. And Paul had surely heard these stories and now here comes Paul heading back to Jerusalem. I got to get there by Pentecost. Not with Jews coming on their own according to the Old Testament, according to Old Covenant to, to, to bring an offering to them. no. But with Greeks coming in faith in Jesus with the flame throwing Holy Spirit inside their hearts, bearing not only tithes of money, which they are doing, but tidings of good news accepted among the Gentiles, among the nations, which the first Pentecost we saw back in Acts 1 was pointing to and foreshadowing for us. So, Pentecost, right? It's happening, and, and Paul, Paul knows it. He's like, i got a Pentecost for you. Bring these dudes with me and show you. Their names are Sobiter, and Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus. And ours are Taylor, and Lydia, and Skylar and Cedric, and Debbie, and Sophia, and Karen, and so many others. I don't have time to name today. You are, as it were, the grain offering of Pentecost. It's you. As you sit here, you are the fruits of Paul's mission. Because that gospel just kept going after this. Even when Paul got smoked later, he kept going. These these guys are not trophies to be put on a shelf. You all are not trophies to be put on a shelf. You're tools for the mission which we'll continue to see unfold in Acts through these guys. We'll continue to see it unfold here in Albuquerque through you guys and in North Africa and in Guatemala and in Asia. And know that eventually some of these tools broke. Paul himself eventually will break. Things are about to get very dicey, as we mentioned before. But just like Jesus before him, Paul's gaze is set on Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Come what may, he's determined to bring these fruits of the mission back to where the Old Testament and the Psalms, the prophets have said over and over, the nations will come to worship. This is the fulfillment of them. It's happening right here on this page. It's happening right here in this room. Praise be to God, Christ Church. Just like when Jesus was in person, Jesus is now acting in and through Paul helping him to duck death as needed, to deploy diverse dudes to defy spiritual death with truth-rich dialogue. And now he's dawdling in a determined way to Jerusalem. Come whatever may, and it will come in the coming weeks. And we will keep reading. We will keep studying. Hopefully, we keep listening in much wording. Let's pray now together. Lord, thank you for the story from Luke's pen to our pulpit and now to your people. Thank you for Jesus' faithful acts when he was here in person for his similar acts through Peter and now as we see so clearly Jesus' and your Spirit's faithful acts through Paul. Lord, we want more of this in our own hearts, in our own homes. Help us to trust your word. Help us to Keep much wording and encouraging one another as long as it is called today, not failing to meet together for that very thing, to trust in you, to encourage one another. Wake us up, Lord, every day to your truth, to your love, to your goodness, to your grace. Help us to believe in you. We do, but but Lord, help our unbelief and help us to walk determined to bring in your harvest here in Albuquerque among our friends and family and neighbors and even to the ends of the earth, Lord. Do it through us for our good, for your glory. We pray. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.